0: welcome to Soundwaves, this is where we are getting powerful stories out of amazing creative minds and most of all, get to know why these people do what they do. Soundwaves is an interview series and focuses on mental health. The main purpose is to actively raise awareness about and remove the stigma attached to mental health issues in the music industry and beyond, to educate and affect the listeners in a positive way. Grow and learn by receiving meaningful insights from these incredible minds. All the interviews are also recorded on video, so if you'd like to see the interviews on video, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sound Waves. Uh, For this episode, I invited a very talented UK-born DJ-producer. His track, What I Might Do, from 2012, went platinum in Europe, reached number 7 in the UK charts, and was the most Shazam track of 2013 in the UK. He was named Best Breakthrough Producer in 2013 by DJ Mac. He had a residency at ants Ushuaia Ibiza, and he traveled all around the globe to make people dance on his tunes. Welcome, Ben Pierce. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I know it sounds so weird because we know each other. Uh, I just want to have everybody here. Uh, I just want to... I think everybody deserves a good introduction, even though I know for you probably... Um, you know, when somebody has a hit record, it's like, oh my God, they're mentioning that one again. <laughs> Does it feel yeah. like that?
1: <laughs> a little bit. Um, mm. I mean, it's nice to have it and it's better to have one than nothing. And, and no, I I went through a, a phase of sort of hating it for a while, but I'm back to being quite proud of it still. So
0: yeah. Back to yeah, embracing better place it. With it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think we should, we should all embrace what we have accomplished and uh um, I also noticed that um because I, I know this because I know you, you know, but I was obviously looking at your your bio online and it quite stops there, right? It's like you we um, you know what you did. Well, the people coming from the music industry, but um I remember in July 2016, we met in Amsterdam mm-hmm. yeah. when we were playing um a gig at the w hotel together and i think not long after you decided to take a break right is that Uh, right was it 2016
1: i think so yeah 2016 or 17 maybe i probably was 16 actually yeah i think so i think it was
0: quite Mm -hmm. quite fast after that one um well, obviously we are, we are here to also speak about mental health. This is what Soundwaves is about inviting key figures from the music industry. And, um, we have been speaking about this for a long time, actually already in the first lockdown. And, uh, a lot of things have, um, a lot of things have been, uh, changing and moving. And, um, let's just dive into what happened in 2016. You, uh, why did you decide to take a break?
1: Um, I think it was just, it was built up for a long time that I wasn't addressing, uh, maybe in the best, in the best way. Um, and I felt sort of, uh, in danger of, um, hurting myself, if you know what I mean. It was, it was in a, in a bad place where, because I was going away, um, on my own often, uh, hotels and stuff it's sort of like a disorientating experience as is like it doesn't feel like real life a lot of the time when you're flying on your own not really speaking to anyone for hours at a time you can get in your own head a lot mm-hmm. um so I think there was a sort of I really felt a lot of times when I was away that I wasn't going to go back um and I think it just got to the point where I was uh really in like the worst place that I'd been in for uh, my whole life and like felt like I couldn't I couldn't go and do the gigs that I wanted to do. And I felt really bad, obviously, that um, when I did cancel them, I wanted to be honest. Mm. Um, I wasn't trying to make a big deal out of it. I wasn't trying to be um, a spokesperson. But I did a post on Facebook and just basically was honest about the reason. I was cancelling quite a lot of gigs. There were six months worth of gigs. and There was quite a lot of them all over the world. And I wanted to be honest. I don't want to be like that guy that just cancelled gigs because he felt like he didn't want to do them or whatever. So I, I tried to be honest, and then obviously that Facebook uh, post just sort of blew up, uh, yeah. <laughs> reaching millions of people uh, organically, and it got into the news and everything.
0: Exactly, I remember um, that Facebook post very. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and it was it was nice. It was an amazing feeling, really. There was there was a one or two or three negative comments, but most of them were really positive, and uh, and it was nice to sort of be honest about it for the first time because I think that's the first time publicly that mm. I'd spoken about it um, because I, th- I think still, I think now I think people struggle if they're in the public eye to, to be honest about these things, because there is still a stigma. Um, uh, and people see you as this, not not human is the wrong word, but they see you as, a, as an act, as a, as a personality or whatever. And they yeah. look up to you in a way. And, it, and it's sometimes difficult to acknowledge that those people are struggling with stuff. I know I, I, Definitely felt that way when I found out about certain musicians as well. Um, or actors, obviously Robin Williams was a big one for people. Um, and I think it's difficult to come to terms with it. Um, so it was nice to see the reaction that people um, were sort of like on board with it. And it was it was speaking a truth for the first time that I hadn't done before. Um, mm. So then it was the sort of first steps to acknowledging it and, and trying to take it on board and deal with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we just before we started recording, we we mentioned the part of you know, talking about mental health is often very Um, it's quite heavy sometimes, you know, the the subjects are are very heavy in the conversations, but we also want to keep it light. But now all of a sudden, you're also here in this podcast, well, this is about mental health, especially in the music industry, so I can't go around this topic. And But all of a sudden, you became one of the... uh, you know, key figures, not just as 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 a successful DJ, but also for you know uh, to speak about mental health in the music industry. <laughs> and so, what did that you know how wh- how did that make you feel?
1: Um, I can't remember how it made me feel at the time. I think I think obviously when I took sort of six seven months off, um, and then when I finally did start coming back and saying, oh, I might be be able to do some gigs now make some music and stuff obviously my manager um came to me and and said we've got a lot of press that want to do interviews or something about mental health with you and I was like I don't really want to be this guy you know I don't want to be known for that because that's the sort of thing you get associated with um and I wanted to be able to focus on my music And, and it's still something that I'm very passionate about and and for me anyway I don't I not for anyone else like anyone else can do I don't think it's a bad thing but I never want to promote my music when talking about mental health and I never want to talk about mental health when I'm promoting my music so if I'm doing an interview or a, a podcast or whatever about uh just a sort of music one yeah I, I'll try not to mention mental health too much I'll be like I'll speak about that separately yeah. um and then obviously on this one I'm not going to plug whatever music's got coming out or not coming out. You know what I mean? (laughs) So so no, I I tried to, that's what my main thing when I, when I did start coming back to things that I didn't want to be seen to be trying to use it as like a a way to get press. Obviously that Facebook post reached millions of people that I can never dream of getting that reach again on Facebook unless I'm paying thousands and thousands of pounds. So I didn't Mm want to like use it to get attention if you know what I mean, or, or PR because it is a sort of a thing that at the time was becoming a lot more talked about. And I, I was just, I'm a cynical person anyway. I wouldn't want to be, I I wouldn't want to look like I was trying to take advantage of that. Um, But I think when I started doing the panels and hearing people talking to them afterwards, um, or just hearing from people online or at gigs, Mm -hmm. saying that me being honest about it has helped them. Um, And then when you start, when you start, even if it's just one person, that said you've you've helped them to come to terms with what they're dealing with, then it's worth it. So that's mm. that kept me going then, uh, it, and then I didn't mind.
0: Is that, is that the reason, the main reason, why you actually open up about it? Well, maybe the Facebook post was because you wanted to be honest to your fans, right?
1: Oh, that, yeah, that was literally just telling people why I was canceling the gig.
0: Yeah, and, uh, well, th- you don't have to worry about people thinking that you did that to get attention because the people that do know you and those are the people that you should actually care about. Uh, they know that you are definitely not a person like that, but right now, like, is it like, for example, you, you said yes to my invitation for this podcast is, is the main reason is because what you just mentioned, if you can reach one person and change that person's life, is that why you do that? Why you say yes to these invitations? Uh, Yeah
1: yeah definitely um I don't I try not to say like do too many because as I said I don't want to be stretching it too thin and I'm not a professional and by any means I obviously have been through a lot of um, therapy and things and, and and read a lot of stuff on mental health and, and talked about it enough that I think I know what I'm talking about <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit but um I don't pretend to be a professional I think the the re- very regular speakers of it should be someone a bit more experienced, um, who's got actual medical qualifications because it is an illness. Like, um, I think it's it's important that we just all be honest about it. And I think, especially with men, um, we're just rubbish, it's rubbish at speaking about it. Like, you just be like, no, I'm fine. It's just like, and I get that because I'm like that sometimes, and I, I shut myself away sometimes from a lot of people, even from my friends. I won't tell them everything, I'll tell them a little bit. Mm. Well, I'm not going to sit there and tell them everything because they've got their own stuff going on. Um, so I think it's just encouraging people to be honest and closing the stigma down so that when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm struggling, the n- the normal reaction isn't, oh, what? Well, that's weird. It is, okay, yeah, me too. Sucks. Mm. Let's, let's deal with it together. So, Because um, I th- I think of, I've found a lot, even very close friends over the years didn't really know how to react to it, Um mm in their own little way, they didn't know how to speak about it. It was a shock to them uh, in some ways. And uh, so I think it's just breaking down that barrier of treating it like a very normal thing, like having a cold or a, a sore arm. It's the same sort of breaking that down. So it's the same sort of um, ease in which people can talk about it to, to each other and bring it up because you don't like, the thing is if you make it a big deal, obviously it is a, it's important, but it's also so so normal, yeah. Like nearly everybody has, at some level, has struggled with some sort of mental health. It's not a diagnosed condition, and there's obviously everything's on a spectrum. Um, but to some degree, people can relate. Um, and I think the more you build it up to be a big deal, when someone is really struggling, everyone goes, "Oh, I don't want to trouble people with this." And I don't. It's a big question to to overcome.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you start at the small bits. You start this really small um level of being able to go right you don't have to talk about it but like I'll just let you know that it's okay to feel like that we don't have to say anything else um so I think yeah that's probably why I feel it's a good thing to keep doing this and and keep talking about it I talk about it a lot on social media as well just the occasional tweet uh, Hmm. how important it is um and yeah, and, and I just ramble on <laughs> and <laughs> well, uh, and then hopefully it makes sense.
0: In, in what you just said, I kind of, I, I want to be able to disagree a little bit with you on one point, which is you said, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. You say, well, it's up to the professionals to speak about this because you know, that it's important that people also hear professionals speak about this topic. But I think it's even more important that people hear people like you and I, you know, I've also suffered from a severe burnout, but I I really want to dive into what the music industry has done to you, quote unquote. But um, I think it's super important for people to hear people like you speak about what they have gone through or how they managed to feel better instead of only listening to people that are, the therapists you know that are educated i I,
1: I sort of i know i know i completely get what you mean Mm. Uh, no i sort of meant um like i will do but i don't want to do too much Mm. i don't want to be on every panel and every like i i will say yes to some things but i think there's only a limit to what i can say um i will tell my story and and speak honestly about my stuff but i think on giving advice and and things Mm. um I think it's important to have that sort of expertise there as well. Hmm. Because, say, you could get a load of DJs in a room that have suffered with stuff, and if they talk for an hour or two, if there's someone in the audience who genuinely is struggling, they might take the wrong things away. We might say something. I might say something in in sort of a maybe a not very serious way that they took. Like, it's very difficult to... Hmm be completely productive all the time. And I don't have to, I don't want to have to worry about um, having an effect on anyone. Yeah. Um So that's just me not doing too many of these things, like not doing everything, not being the only voice because I think a balance mm. is important, but absolutely. It's really important for people to speak.
0: Then I'm very honored it. that you, that you said yes to my invitation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wasn't trying to make it seem exclusive. Um, I just think it's important to have balance. I think from, experience myself of doing the panels for example Hmm. some of them get off topic very quickly yeah um some of them I've I've sat through a couple recently um obviously I won't say which ones because the people that organize the (laughs) events are great Hmm. Um, but some of them you just sort of sit there and you listen to certain people and they're, they're talking about something and they're trying to obviously make it entertaining for the crowd they're trying to be a bit of a personality or whatever or maybe they're nervous and they're trying to just they're just off on a tangent and i just often think of like what is this actually like what who is this actually helping like we're we're talking just about nonsense here yeah in um, that
0: sense i totally get you there needs to be a balance between between the yeah, exper- that's what I meant, experts <laughs> and and uh, although you're an expert as well because you know what worked and what didn't work for you so let's dive into that a little bit you've had a, 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 an enormous success uh and your big big break- breakthrough was obviously the what i might do your track from 2012 and so what happened to you why um okay so y- I can come up with a lot of things that I come up with, but I want to hear it from you because was it, yeah. What was it that, that you just um, didn't go on and have to cancel your gigs? What happened I, I,
1: to you? I honestly don't know. There's I, I, this sort of um, through various sort of professional help and stuff. We've tried to sort of pinpoint these hmm. uh, root causes and, Uh, it's never really been clear. It's not not a sort of light bulb moment where, because I I remember sort of the first time I played at Amnesia, my manager being like, are you not nervous? I was like, no.
0: Mm. Like I
1: never, it was never a problem. For so long, I was just, like, I could go up on any stage in front of however many people and I'd play exactly the same. Mm. Um, And then it slowly started creeping in. And I think it was maybe because of, um, I'd have very like, I remember having very like private breakdowns in the studio where, where I couldn't replicate sort of,
0: Hmm.
1: I'm I'm obviously self-taught as a producer. I'm not, I haven't done any courses or anything. And over time I've come to accept that. But at the time I felt I was in this sort of world of professionals and I was just a kid from a bedroom who's made a track. Um, So I felt sort of out of place. Uh, And I think that sort of maybe got in my head a little bit. and, And obviously I was getting frustrated that I wasn't, producing that next single that next quality I was sort of doing the odd remix and stuff and and some things came out and but I was I was touring a lot um probably too much but at the time obviously you're not going to say no because you don't know how long it's going to last like I I came into this thinking I might get a couple of years out of it Mm. um I didn't think I was going to make it I didn't think of myself as a professional um it even took me six months to quit my job from touring in Europe until I finally went. Okay, well, actually, I can quit my job now because I'm actually getting a lot of gigs. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so I think maybe there was like that deep sort of thought was I don't I don't belong here or I don't deserve this. Yeah. Um, so I think that was embedded from an, from very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think whilst I was confident with DJ and obviously it was sort of came naturally. Mm. um the and then the more I got a bit older and started to think more about um where I fit in fit in and I didn't really fit in anywhere because I was playing disco in sort of Dublin on a Friday and then going to Berlin and playing techno so I was like I'm playing just just these crazy lineups everywhere I don't mind because I I love all electronic music I would literally play and listen to it all so I never really felt like I've sat anywhere and I didn't feel feel like I had a home I didn't have a residency I didn't have I did have some residencies obviously but I didn't have like a label that I toured with and the same people I was playing with like these vastly different people which I would still 100% not change because it's it's what I always wanted to do Mm -hmm. um but I think that contributed to it that I didn't really fit in anywhere um and then I just honestly just ignored it for too long I I knew that something was wrong in a way but you sort of you you feel guilty because you've got such an amazing job um and I was so so lucky for years I mean from 2012 for the last like eight years up until all this kicked off um I was all over the world fight like every single continent going places I've only ever dreamed of going when I was (laughs) when I was younger um And I was so lucky. And and obviously I was really grateful for that. But I think when you started, when I had this feeling in my gut that I didn't want to go or I was um, getting like anxious about before and after shows and stuff and just wanting to be at home in bed, because that's what you want to do when you're depressed.
0: Mm.
1: I started to feel really guilty because I was like, Oh man, you've got this amazing job. Like you can't feel like this. Like you can't be sat in San Francisco feeling like you just want to be at home because everyone, anybody would kill to be here. And that's, yeah. and that's obviously the, uh, the sort of trolley comments you do get online. Um, or oh, if you don't like it, then why don't you just stop DJing? Well, it's not, the, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah, really yeah. the point. So I think it was just a, it was a combination of all that. Um, there was a bit of burnout to it as well. Obviously I was yeah. touring a lot. Um, and it's, I think people don't realize how much it takes on your like physical um and mental like well-being um you're going from insanely loud clubs really bright stimulating to a silent hotel room for four hours and then you've got to go to an airport and airports are just stressful like i i've seen my friends go on holiday who like you, you they go on holiday and they get to the airport and they just lose their mind yeah it's it is a stressful environment you've got i don't know why it is i think they're just built to be stressful because maybe you shop more or something, but. <laughs> like there it's not a very friendly place to be, especially when you're on your own mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, like I think it was just a combination of everything um that just sort of came to a came to a big build up and um and then obviously led to me having to take take the time off but but like it wasn't like a a single moment, if you know what I mean, it wasn't no. like suddenly it's there, it creeps up on you, definitely. You know? And sometimes it's very, very difficult to realize what's going on because you can just push it away and you can be, oh, i fine, and you just change your change your practices and change what you're doing and, and try and ignore it, um, but it'll uh, it'll creep up for sure.
0: I think it's very interesting what you just said, and I think that is exactly what a lot of people experience. Artists that um, have a breakthrough, like a success, a big success. It's like you mentioned a few things, and one of them was like, oh man. I didn't even seem, I didn't even take myself as seriously. I didn't, you know, I was, I I taught myself how, how to produce music. And then it's, it's okay. Where's the next thing? You know, can it be as successful? People are expecting some things from me. And on top of that, the, the mindfuck, I want, I want to call it inside of you, like, man, I should be lucky and I should feel happy about my success. And and so many people want to be in my place. It's actually happening, but I feel so shitty. So you, you keep up, actually it's keeping up appearances, right? Uh, And so many artists do that, but it's not just in the music industry. I hear it from um, sports athletes as well. You know, when they are number one, or they won gold at the Olympics or whatever, they're like, Oh, I I'd rather be like second because then I have another thing, you know, to accomplish. But when they're when you're number one, you're there's so much pressure on you, and people expect so much from you, and um, so they get they train so hard that also sport athletes uh, burn out or overtrain themselves. So it, it's a very very interesting thing what it does with the mind, and also. Um, actually being able to uh, carry that kind of responsibility of having that success and what do you do with it and not feeling guilty about it and do you think it comes down to self-love like how much do you appreciate yourself if you let, let me put it like this do you think that artists who enter the industry feeling you know that are imbalanced that did a lot of of the the work with themselves on themselves with their mind um have a better chance to have sustainable success
1: um i i think it's i think it's a very hard correlation i think yeah if you because i think that um perhaps there is a some some link between creativity and and um, and sort of I'm trying to think of the best way to put it what what I've got in my head. There is sort of this spark of creativity, isn't there? That comes with like not thinking too much. Um, Mm -hmm. You just go in and you do something and that's, you obviously see it with a lot of bands Is that's when they write the the best album is when they don't, they don't fucking know what they're doing and then they get older and start thinking about it more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they obviously, they sort of drop off, but it's, I don't know whether that's a direct correlation or not. Um, but it's interesting when you mentioned sport, the the first thing that came into my head is that sports psychology has been, has been a huge thing for so many years, um, and talked about, um, and obviously if you're at an elite level of sport, um, not even an elite level, but a a sort of professional level, if you're in a a team, for example, you would, you would have a sports psychologist there to, to talk about these things Mm. and, and to mentally train you for, because a lot of them, uh, a lot of success in sport is attributed to mental mentality more than physical talent mm-hmm. because they have bit obscenely talented sports people that, and you see that with, with everything as well. But I think with the music industry, you don't have that sort of level of support there because everyone's sort of doing it for them for themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously this has been a huge discussion um, since everything, since um, everything started maybe getting spoke about a bit more with mental health and music. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose responsibility is it? Is it the managers? Is it the record labels? Um, and then for DJs who go on tour on their own, hmm. you haven't got anybody there, so it's you. You then have to set up these support networks. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I think when you are sending kids out, and a- actual kids, I mean, I was, I was very young, but actually older than some. Mm. You see kids going out when they're 17, 18 yeah. and doing what I did and tour, sort of all over Europe and the world on their own.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you have to have something there, mm-hmm. um, or at least have a sort of honest communication that those people probably need to look at themselves and, and talk about what's going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Because otherwise you do get those, obviously not everybody, but you will, you could get those situations again. And I think, I think this is what I get frustrated about with the, with the music industry a little bit over the last sort of five years is that they've, they do the panels at the big conferences and they go, "Ah, oh, that's enough. We've done our bit now. Exactly. And then nothing, nothing actually then changes because especially in electronic music, everything's built around hedonism and that's fine you there's still a place like I think that's a also a misconception is that people can't party if they're struggling with mental health no you mm-hmm. absolutely can Mm-mm. I mean you just got to look after the next few days a bit differently mm, yeah. um but I think people are people like I'm fine I, I understand that I probably wouldn't get some gigs now um because they're oh no I'm not good booking him he's probably gonna have a panic attack before he plays That's not gonna be fun I'm like that's okay cool yeah mm. not the easiest to deal with hmm sometimes um and not the most fun thing for a young promoter to to have to take on so know I get that and it, that's fine um but yeah I think there's this um unspoken um unspoken sort of disassociation with it that you are know, if you're if you if you are struggling with mental health then you yeah. can't enjoy yourself like you're just going to come and be very sad yeah <laughs> Whereas most people aren't like, it's, it's completely normal. And this is what I mean about normalizing it, where we can get to a stage where it's so normal. It's not treated like a a different thing that, that only some people are affected by it. So it's normal and it's talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think it's uh, I think it's just, it's difficult for those, for those people in those situations when they're going out and they're trying to, because you do want to take everything on. As I said, you don't know when it's going to stop. Yeah. You say yes yeah. to everything
0: yeah,
1: um, and I don't know where the responsibility there lies for, for the whole industry, whether it's on a management company or labels, as I said, or promoters or, or whether it's just on everybody else to sort of mm. create this sort of positive um, situation where everyone's looking out for each other. Mm. Hopefully it'd be the, the best way to do it, but I'm not sure if it'll happen.
0: Well, you tapped into very something very interesting that has been on my mind as well. Um, I don't know exactly how you felt and what you've been through. I know that I've also hit rock bottom a few years ago. And I am actually, after our recording, I am attending um, another call, um, a Zoom meeting from uh, AFEM, uh, the Association for Electronic Music. I am part of the health working group which focuses on mental health for fans and professionals in the music industry. And yes, they're doing great work. I mean, I'm part of it. But I'm like, being the devil's advocate here, you know, I'm like, when a person feels really shitty, you know, it it's, it's, it doesn't stop at putting out documents online about how to stay healthy while touring. Here are the phone numbers you can call speaking about it at a panel, and then indeed, like you said, and some people may be going to hate me for this, but I'm like, even though I think they're all doing great work, we are all doing great work, but where do you actually really create change? This has been on my mind, you know, during the entire pandemic for almost for a year, I'm diving into this topic of mental health so deeply, and I'm getting a better and better and deeper understanding. I mean, what would you at your worst days you don't go online to search for how to better your sleeping patterns (laughs) no you you know you don't know if you're going to make it to the next day Mm -hmm. that's it
1: yeah that's the irony
0: i'm like okay how do we really create change here and this is really i want to have an open and honest conversation because i'm not here to be one of those podcasts or panels or whatever like oh let's talk about mental health and i did my job No, you know, I really, really, I am thinking about what is it that we can all do together. I am speaking with people from Avicii's team right now. We are all teaming up to see. You know, like how, how can we just prevent stuff like that to happen? That young kids and, and also older uh, artists, you know, are losing themselves just because of the expectations, lack of support, um, you know, what, what they're going through inside what you just mentioned. Like, okay, I, I, have a, I have success. I feel guilty for not to enjoy it as much, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I know you don't have the answer, but what would have helped you? when you were feeling so shitty, when you were going through your worst days as an artist?
1: Um, I I think a lot of the time it's just time. Like a lot of the time it is just knowing that it will get better is a big thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing that it's not, there might not be a sort of button you can press that that switches it over. and i know that when i when i do still get my sort of really down days i have to take a few days of just doing nothing hmm. um giving yourself a break and really switching off and hmm. paying attention to it and listening to yourself listening to your to your body and your head and saying you know i need i need time for away from this for a se- for a few days just putting stuff down I'll, um there's a few things that i do um I sort of have a process now, I guess hmm. of of having a really sort of switched off day or two or whatever, um just watching the same shows, the sort of comfort shows that you've seen so many times that you know every every word but um and then i I make a food's a huge thing for me, so I make a list of all the things that I would like to eat that I haven't had in a while because i things that I don't usually eat like a I don't know a cheeseburger or um paella or something like this just a little list of things you know what i'm gonna go to the shop in a few days what would i really want to eat yeah that i can cook that'll make me really happy so just making making finding a little routine that Mm. that you know when it does pass which it will that you've got steps out of it to make yourself really and like really launch out of it not just sort of slowly get out but really you're like i'm actually gonna go um but I think going back to what the music industry can do. And I think it's, we always talk about it. Like it's a music industry problem. It's not, it's a societal problem. It, 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 it happens everywhere. Yes, There's, there's more of it in the music industry, um, has been, has been shown by research that it's, that you're more likely to suffer with, but I think that's maybe, um, it's not all on their shoulders. Um, I think, the important thing to be doing as i said is to normalize speaking about it so we we affect it from the ground up Hmm. because if if people came into the music industry already having this sense that it's okay to talk about these things
0: yeah
1: then we'll get to a place where everyone involved so say a promoter a, a driver a sound tech artist liaison an artist and whatever everyone in that room or in that line of communication has come in with this sort of background knowledge before they were in the music industry built into them from the ground up through education and through sort of society that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about it. So then you feel safe. Um, so I think a lot of it's too focused on what the music industry can do is, is more about what we can do as people. Um, Mm-hmm. To sort of influence everybody else. And I think that's important. It's it's such a a huge problem. Um for and obviously being in lockdown has, has exacerbated things, but but you see it online, um younger people are a lot more in tune to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, called being woke, which the right wing don't like, but <laughs> um that's part of it, part of it, you you're you're okay to talk about it and it's it's normal. Um yeah. I, th- I don't think it's ever going to go away, uh, if I'm honest. I think it's it's always going to be something that, that people struggle with. Um, exactly. But if we can get to a place where it's more accepted to talk about, I feel people f- will feel more like they've got help hmm. because it's difficult to get help, especially in the UK. Um, the health service is so underfunded um, that it's very difficult for people to even see a therapist, it's sometimes six months waiting list. Mm. Um, so it, there is a lot of barriers in place and, and people that feel helpless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think it's more about just creating this, tr- trying to create this sort of um, environment where enough people are, are okay to talk about it. Enough people have this sort of basic knowledge of things to say. Um, there's a lot of really good online Accounts that sort of say, "This is what you can say to people who are really anxious," or "This is what you can say or do to people,"
0: yeah,
1: or people who are having a depressive sort of few days.
0: Hmm.
1: The language is really important sometimes because the yeah. sort of cheer up nonsense, or oh, "Why didn't you just go to bed earlier?" Oh, never thought of that before.
0: Yes, the, the, oh, it, oh, I should
1: just, I should just cheer up, Shahla. I? Oh, I should have tried that. Fuck. Yeah worry
0: tomorrow is is going to look better for you, right? Yeah yeah, I, there's that's and even if it's not tomorrow,
1: it can be the next day. like it will come. it's just not it's not immediate. sometimes you just you' need a few days just go and do what you do. Um, it's It's difficult, but I, as I said, I don't think I think so much, so much of it, especially on the panels, is like what what can we do as a music industry. Whereas really we should just be saying like, what can we do? outside of that As society,
0: and also I, yeah.
1: I mean I have a real struggle with a lot of wellness because I'm not a spiritual sort of person at all don't mm-hmm. mind if people are but a lot of the a lot of the processes to help especially in um music because of the sort of creative circles and everything mm. often sort of links with spirituality and and I that does just doesn't resonate with me at all um so again, that's another barrier is, is, is building up ways that people can talk about it without getting sort of, Oh, you don't meditate. Well, no wonder like oh, you, can meditate really, without, yeah. you can meditate without being, um, overly sort of involved in the whole spiritual aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. You can do things that make you, you can do yoga without being heavily into the sort of, um, spiritual aspects of it which okay. is where it was formed. But it, ideally, at the end of the day, it's stretching your muscles, which f- it feels good and it mm-hmm. relaxes you. And that's a physical aspect. You don't have to really buy into the the spiritual side of things. Fine if you do. Mm. But I still think that there is there should be avenues for people that don't really feel that way because often wellness is too tied in with spirituality. For me, anyway, yeah. from, from my experience of researching it and knowing it, um, you get this sort of you get this really like elitist implication sometimes of, mm. Oh, if you don't subscribe to my sort of spiritual sort of side, then you can't have access to these certain, certain areas of, of wellness. Um, and it's just something it's, it, I, I'm rambling now cause this is what I do when I lose my train of thought, but, um,
0: no worries. I'm but I think it's through. having
1: an access. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's having access to everyone. Um, Everyone can have an access point to a to a bit of support. Mm -hmm. Um and that's the important bit. And whether that's by with your friends or whether it's an online account or whether it's someone else, it's just creating this sort of network, as you said, that people feel safe to access and easy to access. Not then because as you said, you wouldn't go and Google how to safely tour if you were Mm -hmm. in that state. You would much rather just just go and do your own thing. Yeah. But if you had a friend there to so say, texting you and just asking you, how you, okay. And like, just, just little things like that. I think it's, it makes such a big difference. Um, even if you sort of don't think it does at the time.
0: Do you think it will help if in the music industry, it would become a normality to not just have a, a booker, an agent, a manager, but also like a mental coach or call it whatever, just like, you know part of your team is like checking in on you you yeah. know on, on on how you are doing obviously the managers i don't want to insult them obviously they do that as well it's not that they are all you know sometimes uh, they are perceived as oh they only want to make the money out of the, the the talent that they're working with but they're also human beings right there are definitely a lot of managers who really want the best for their artists Um, However, maybe talking to a mental coach, um, uh, you know, that is just guiding you on your career. And maybe young talent as well and their parents, right? Sometimes parents have no clue. Well, most of the times parents have no clue what their young kid is getting into. And then uh, when they have a breakthrough, they lose track of what's happening, around that kid and it's literally far away from home would you be what would your idea be of of you know like everybody should have a mental coach in the music industry what's your your feeling about
1: that I think um, from my experience um, with therapy for example it would definitely be beneficial to have um, coaches or therapists who you see it more. Now there is a few, and I think over time we will see more because especially the electronic music industry hmm. is quite young still. Um, the people that started it are still going. So it's still quite a young network. Um, and I think uh, you will now start to see maybe people going into certain roles similar to that. Hmm. Um I've even thought about it of doing a, a certain courses at some point, just really so I can help people in a, in a more specific way. Um, but I also thought of in the future, doing, uh, studio sessions or, or weekends, you know, with, with songwriters and stuff or singers who come down, you can do a bit of production, but it's songwriting, but also talk to them about stuff That's sort of like a, a semi sort of yeah. holistic approach. I don't know. Yeah, it was to be something. Basically, what I was saying was, um, a lot of therapists have no idea how the music industry works. Okay. Um, I had a guy once that I was uh, a private uh, therapist in London. Um, a few sessions in, uh, he, and I was obviously sort of explaining how I a lot of a lot of when when I'm at a gig, I worry that my I don't look like I'm enjoying myself, and people people pick up on that, and if they see you and they're saying smile in the crowd. That makes the sort of anxiety worse. I I've never been a sort of singy dancy big smile sort of person anyway. Hmm. Um but his his answer to it and I couldn't quite believe it was uh if why don't you just play like sadder music? Seriously. Yeah. And like <laughs> he obviously maybe thought that would work. Yeah. I think he I think he genuinely wanted to I don't think he was taking the piss. He no, just, he wanted he to help you. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, mm-hmm. he that's such a clueless ridiculous remark that that made me believe that or maybe see that there's so many people that are out of touch with the music industry and it's very it's a very difficult industry to explain to people sometimes the the sort of micro levels to it that people unless you're in it you don't really understand how things work Um, and even still I don't understand how a lot of it works um but I think I think that now we get into a stage where there is there is people who um who have been artists or managers or worked in the industry who might then go into this sort of role of saying, you know, I've, I've walked all these roads before I've done it all. So I can talk to you about it, but I can also talk to you in a way. Um, and so maybe we should be encouraging that a bit more. Mm. Um, I know that quite a lot of major labels have got sort of people on there now Mm. within sort of coaching or like sort of, um, therapy sort of levels. Um, but then that I think that got brought up on a panel once and that excludes a huge, huge proportion of artists and professionals that don't work for a major label yeah. who are self-employed, who haven't got yeah. the sort of big companies above them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would be good to have more uh, mental health professionals that have had an experience in the music industry. Obviously you, you- can't force people to go into it, but I think over the next 10 years, we will get that a bit more. Yeah.
0: You see it happening um, already, right? Yeah. But, uh, like uh, yourself
1: as well, like yourself doing things like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's I'm, sort of like another step, isn't it? Um, exactly.
0: I I also offer mentorships for people in the music industry um, because people started to ask me about it. Um, and, um, and I do believe, yes, yes, uh, we should have like really schooled therapists like even like bush Wacker, right he really changed from mm-hmm. his um a profession now he is um a licensed therapist using his um experience in the music industry it's great but not everybody yeah. has that you know no. dream of becoming a therapist but you are so right about what you said that i actually this morning i had a live session with somebody, you know, asking me some questions about this topic as well. And I said exactly that. Uh, research has also shown that people from the music industry, when they're dealing with stuff, you know, it coming from the music industry, they want to speak with somebody coming from the music industry, because what you experienced is exactly what I spoke about. And this is, you know, the therapists that have not been there, like really deeply in the music industry seeing how that really rolls and how it goes behind the scenes and how much you are challenged they can only understand a little bit if you're if you haven't seen yeah. it you don't know what it is and i don't blame them either but it's not really you know to be really be heard and seen as an artist or maybe a manager that is dealing with, you know, they can deal with the same problems as well of yeah. a highly competitive industry. Um, yeah. People f- coming from the music industry want to speak with somebody coming from the music industry so they don't have to explain everything that they're going through.
1: Yeah. And also it like, it sounds stupid, but it just, you, you cut out the bullshit, right? You, you can get straight to the yeah. point exactly they understand what you said you don't have to explain the reason why you've you're doing something or the reason why you couldn't do this or mm. this happened um they would understand and it and it would just make the whole conversation just so much more easy yeah um and get straight to the point point. Uh, and obviously if you're paying someone by the hour yes. <laughs> a lot easier if you don't have That's to explain it's not a everything. huge
0: factor yeah definitely yeah
1: it, it is it is um mm-hmm because because it, it is um difficult to to sit down and a, after an hour sort of be like oh i haven't really spoke much
0: mm-hmm. sort of been
1: explaining yeah exactly. explaining little micro bits of of things um but i think yeah it's it's but you see it in in so many cases with um bring up robin williams for example everyone was like wow it was shocking wasn't it because everyone was like oh but it's because you don't understand or obviously you didn't know him for one Hmm. But also the being an actor at that level comes with so many challenges that the public wouldn't see yeah. or that most people wouldn't see. Um, so it's the same with the music industry, isn't it? Like it's, And it's finding a line between being honest about it and, and still also maintaining the fact that, no, it is it's still an amazing job. Um, we're not moaning about it. We're not complaining. We're just acknowledging the factors that contribute to people's mental health um yeah. they, they can still also be the fun bits um so i think it's just it's just a, it's to it's, be a much easier conversation if if it was more um expertise talking about um talking about the situation while rather than sort of mental health experts trying to trying mm. to get into music
0: what do you find the most challenging aspect of the music industry
1: Um, I think for me, it's, it's just my, my own head. Like I was, I was thinking before, it's just constant. It's, I should have done this differently. I should have done this differently. Constantly comparing yourself to other people constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, like for example, over lockdown, I've been so uncreative. I haven't done anything, but you see a lot of producers, still smashing out a lot of music and you're like, oh, I could be doing that, but I can't. Um, and just, and it, you're constantly fighting against yourself and you're so isolated a lot of the time. Um, and then when you have a, a track or a release or a mix that goes out or whatever, you count in your heads the reason why it's not doing as well as you think it could be. And it could always do better, right? Like, there's always something, there's always something else to do. As you said, with with um sports people wanting to train and be constantly better, there's no there's no limit for music industry, isn't there? Like you talk about um like news today, even the the most success <laughs> like Daft Punk are probably the, one of the most successful electronic acts of all time. People are still pissed that they broke up. They haven't released <laughs> anything in eight years. They're billionaires, like what have they got to do? Yeah. And people you know. are sad. Yeah.
0: They're crying. Yeah. People and are actually
1: like, crying. Yeah. yeah. absolutely. But they haven't released anything in eight years. Like they're mm. multi-billionaires,
0: mm.
1: probably. Mm. They'll be fine. Mm. But mm. even from their point of view, they must see people being sad and going, Oh, I've got this. Because like you see how much people want people to reform with bands and, and everything. I know it's like a very privileged position to be in, but I'm just saying that there's never there's never an end point because art can consistently go on. It's a, it's never growing and ever Ever evolving thing, um, and that cycles right the way back down to the bottom. Hmm. You could always be getting another gig. You could always, if you've got a free weekend, you're like, oh, I could do something there. So it's it's just there is a constant momentum to it, which is very difficult to get out of hmm. and remove yourself from without thinking that you're holding yourself back. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Were like, you in? Oh, sorry. Oh no, go on. Oh, I, I was just really curious. I, um. I'm sorry, I'm going back to the beginning of our conversation when you said um, you actually became very anxious, right? You, you, you mentioned depression and you mentioned anxiety. I am actually yeah. curious, were you, would you consider yourself being an anxious person already before your career in, in music took off or did you really develop anxiety during your career and what kind of effect had it on you?
1: Um, no, I was never... I never thought of myself as anxious, maybe. Certainly not to any degree that it actually affected me. I was... Obviously, when I was playing, the biggest the biggest thing is, obviously, as I said, was, was turning up to gigs and just not being nervous, regardless of the situation. Being confident, um, being able to go on and, and play uh, in any situation, and now... Or over the course of the few years where it started taking its toll, I'd get horrifically anxious just before gigs for no reason. Mm. Like there is no reason to it. I still know I'm a good DJ. I know I'll well, probably not anymore. I've not touched text in two years, but or in yeah. <laughs> um, I've probably forgotten. Um, but it was never rational. I think that's what people often yeah. get confused about. It's not. I'm not actually. I'm not actually worried about the gig. I just physically, I am for some yeah. reason. It's it's like yeah. a panic attack. So I get yes. to the get to the show, or it's even been at like dinner before the show. Someone would mention how many CDJs I wanted, and I'd instantly want to throw up and they start shaking and things. And I get really annoyed at myself because I'm like this is stupid.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then finally get on and and play a couple of songs, and and then it's all goes away. Usually, um, so. It, so I was getting frustrated with it because I didn't understand where it came from. And it and it seemed to be very random and it still is. It, it can be big gigs or smaller clubs. I can be go for dinner first, no dinner first, sleep first, don't sleep first. I was trying, to, trying out different situations to try mm. and figure out if there was a sort of pattern to it. And it really wasn't. Um, sometimes it just flares up and I have to sit down or I have to go and throw up and, and that's just how it is. Um, and I'm still trying to figure that out because it's it is annoying. Uh, Did
0: you started to drink more because of that?
1: To um, and I actually started drinking less. Less because I thought that that wasn't helping.
0: Hmm.
1: You try and do a, a, a try and do a few gigs completely sober, and that was nearly impossible.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, because my hands were shaking so much, I could barely touch touch the mixer. That was in Pasha, I think. Um. So yeah, like there is, there is a lot of things that I've, I've been trying, um, meditating, uh, CBD oil, which is yeah. seemed to have really helped the sort of base level, um, the day to day that, cause, because yeah. there was a, this built up for so long that it, that it did get day to day. And it was this sort of constant, like I try and, um, I try <laughs> try and explain it to people that, that don't understand or haven't had it before, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm it's like um people that someone's throwing like multiple tennis balls at you and you can't catch them all and you sort of uh, that's what you feel like all the time mm. or you just you feel like you've lost your phone all the time so you've got this constant level of like panic and you sort of and it's a fight or flight thing so and, and obviously going for a big walk or a run helps um I do a lot of walking if I went to a a new city or a city touring. If I had a gig, I'd, I'd go and walk for an hour or two hours and that seemed to help. There was there was definitely yeah. things that I've come across that helped, mm. but didn't always get rid of it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just became this big thing and it, and, and it still happened. Like the, I had a gig in last oh, October in London and that's a gig that I've done. It was basically residency, I've done it so many times. Um, but yeah, before I just felt horrible, but my best friend was with me. Um, so he was just, and he knows just leave me alone or just be like, he didn't, like, he's not asking questions and shit. He's, he knows what it's about. He's Dutch as well.
0: <laughs> so,
1: has his, did, uh, it, did I
0: meet him? No, there was a different guy with you. was Probably. It was, a, it was. A oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: daughter, yeah. It was a different Oh guy. yeah.
0: That was a different guy. <laughs> we had fun though.
1: Um, <laughs> um so yeah, no, I think so. That happened. That that was last August, uh, October. Sorry. So, mm. and I think obviously from from going for no gigs um, for a past year, I think a lot of DJs would probably feel a bit weird coming feel up to anxious. a gig now. Yeah, yeah, or being yeah. in a social situation in a club. Um, so I'm still trying to f- find my way through that. And but as I said, it's not a rational thing. It's it's something that I would. Uh, Have and feel for a long time. And then when it passes, you're like, well, that was stupid. Hmm. Um.
0: Blaming yourself.
1: Well, yeah, (laughs) it's all in your head, isn't it? So it's hard not to blame yourself sometimes because it is you still. Um, Well, it's
0: something you can't control, isn't it? I mean, I've had panic attacks when I was younger and I'm like, what is this? You really, Mm -hmm. you you can't explain this to somebody that hasn't experienced it. Well, you can try to put it into words, but it's not, it's just, yeah. I hope for people not to go through it, but yeah, yeah. it really feels like literally you're going to pass out or die, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's that easy. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there is a, not a responsibility, but I feel that for maybe artists that don't travel with a tour manager or a manager or or a friend, that promoters should look out, watch out and care a little bit more, maybe, um, without judging them right now, probably a lot of them do already. <laughs> But to just ask the artist, like, but really look them in the eye and say, "Hey, how are you today? Are you okay?"
1: Yeah, for for the most part, um, Mm. since, and I think obviously because my struggles have been so widely publicized um, Mm. that they know, like, it's not, it's not like they don't know what's going but on but also
0: in general do you but in think general, it would help yeah. others I, was... I mean you, mm. you've been through so much already at, you know y- your experience now in how people can react uh, and cannot react and yeah. do you think it would help like if it would become a normal thing to really have a, a little moment to really check in with the artist that is playing for you today because you don't know where he came from well probably you know as a promoter but uh, what he just been through maybe on the airport by traveling the the, the, for, the, the previous gig or like, you know, um, yeah, you're, yeah, you're I a mean, product kind of delivering a kind of. service, but you're also still a human being. Do you think it would help if that would be a normality? Like, like just to check in on each other a little bit more.
1: Yeah. But I think that goes both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> because hmm. we're talking about it now, framing it from the artist's point of view.
0: Hmm.
1: Why don't the artist ask the promoter if he's okay?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So
1: that we we can't just talk about artists in this conversation. No. Um, as I said, and I think that goes back to everything before was was creating this situation where everyone feels comfortable to say. Yes. I'm right? honestly, for the most part, um, I've had such an amazing experience with. A lot of the gigs have been with people who I've played for before,
0: hmm.
1: who have been really understanding and just said, "Yeah, you can take your time, blah blah yeah. blah. And do you need anything? Can we help?" Like it's it's always been a very positive situation they've they've always helped and but as I said if you're a young kid like when I started running parties when I was like 20 19 20 I was booking sort of DJs who I looked up to you know that were older much older yeah. and I'd be in awe of them I'd be like oh my god it's bloody it's or whatever like it's a wonderful time you know you can't, you can't put that expectation on a, on a kid at that age who's, who's meeting his hero to be like, Oh, you're right. (laughs) So there is, there is a lot of, I think we have to not sort of put pressure on people to, Mm -hmm. to be this sort of guru, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think obviously when you are, I think the support networks when from a touring perspective, it should be with the manager and with the, um, whoever's on the ground if there is a tour manager there um just checking in and so yeah i think when when you get to a promoter level they've got enough to worry about um Mm -hmm. they've got their own stresses i lost so much money putting on nights it was so stressful Mm -hmm. um so it's yeah i mean again it's it's not one way this this thing um it's everyone that works in the music industry and it's everyone in the in the entire world pretty much so it's uh yeah it's a big thing, you know, but it's very easy to get, um, to get sucked into thinking or oh, how I, how can I make touring easier for me? Hmm.
0: Um, well i think you're pointing out a really good thing. we're we're in this together right and the why i mention artists all the time is because i'm speaking with one right now but
1: oh yeah um, of i feel I was, that
0: yeah no i know you got that but we i definitely i in 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 my during my years in the music industry i've obviously seen a lot of managers as well like really burned out losing their minds or addicted just to keep up with with the schedule of their own artists, you know, being there all the time. And it's, it's, it's a tough business. And as you said, like one of the things that, 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 you know, influenced you a lot is also the competition, you know, or comparing yourself to others. And uh, it's a rat race as well. And we are also in it for the passion and that's the beautiful part of it. And the downside, the darker side is the competitive fast, high demanding, uh, environment where other people let go, right. Other people expect you to, to join them because, you know, they don't know that you only had two hours of sleep. They are, they bought a ticket to see you play. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and they're, they're letting go. They're using alcohol, they're using drugs mm-hmm. and they're letting go of whatever they, you know, they're the weak, And it's, it's, it's a very crazy, um, yeah, it's it's a very crazy working environment. It's a very crazy office that we that we have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Same for but, bar staff and people that work at the venue, having to constantly be around people who are having exactly. the best night of their lives. And you're like, and oh, security people
0: working. as well. I mean, mm-hmm. but I do feel you and and um I think what we speak about coming from the music industry counts for the entire world, right? I, I believe that everything that we speak about is applicable to everybody, um, especially during a pandemic where mental health issues are um, increasing and people really need to watch out uh, for themselves but for each other. You know, they really have to keep an open eye. And yeah. and what we just said, like checking in on each other a little bit more often, maybe like, hey, being are honest, you
1: I think. I've had amazing conversations with people since since being uh, open about all this when I've been on tour. Um, not necessarily the promoters, sometimes promoters, sometimes their friends if you've been mm-hmm. at dinner. Because mm-hmm. I will honestly just say uh, anxious or I'll say these words, I'll bring it up if it comes up in conversation. Um, and... Often people will say oh no I've, I've, I have to suffer with this and this and and yeah I should str- have this is a struggle and blah 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 so it's just being honest and and opening up those conversations sometimes leads to some really nice chats um, which which absolutely can help you in those situations and may help anybody else as well um, yeah. but I think at the end of the day like I never want I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing obviously it's it's crossed my mind because it's I say it's really difficult to to fall to be like to love a job that nearly killed you. I think that's sort of a a way I've tried to put it to myself.
0: Yeah.
1: But at the end of the day, um, bringing music to people and and playing music to people and and seeing the effect it has
0: Hmm.
1: on meeting people whose music has, or your music has had such an effect on their lives. Hmm. Um, First electronic music song they heard or something like this. Yeah. It keeps you going, you know, and it's, there's such a, like, I think, when talking about mental health and music it's it's so easy to get bogged down in how difficult it can be for people and it can be um yeah but we need to remember to celebrate the really positive things behind why we love music in the first place why everybody flocks to it why um so many people want to go back and run festivals there's people i know that miss running stages um they just love it they do it for a passion and it's Exactly. and that's why we do it and we and we honestly you wouldn't go through all this stuff um if it wasn't so so good on the on, on the on the positive sides um like i've been i've been in a very bad place touring but you can catch a sunset like sat outside a bar in a in a halfway across the world and it'll you'll just have this wave of emotion i have like they literally cried a few times sometimes just yeah. so grateful to be in this situation um so yeah I think it I think it's good to, good to maybe like focus on um, on both sides of it.
0: Definitely because um you tapped into something that I actually spoke about with my my brother who's not in the music industry and I was speaking well, the, the ones that we didn't mention yet are the tour managers. Oh man, what well, they have to keep up with your schedule and they're not even performing. They're not getting their adrenaline from, you know, what the artist is experiencing yeah. when the gig goes well and everything. So respect to them as well and, and my brother asked me, me why on earth does you know when he heard a little bit about what it means to be a tour manager it's like why on earth does somebody want that want to do that I'm like (laughs) yeah well it's that unexplainable feeling deep connection the passion for the music for the industry and What you just mentioned, like this, this one sunset or sunrise, can change your entire day and your mood. And but also for me, what's really important is the connectedness in the music industry, meeting each other over the world, and knowing that you're only there for that one thing together for the music, for Mm -hmm. to connect with each other. To. And that is something so beautiful. Um, I started this conversation, I think we were not recording yet, but it was uh, mentioning that music is life, right? Music is a creative expression of life. So, yes, uh, it, it is very, very important to speak about things that we can improve when it comes to taking care of ourselves, taking care of each other in the music industry. Um, And on the other hand, we have to celebrate all the good stuff that comes with it Um, because it also influences a lot of lives uh, on a positive. On a positive, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, and if you can make those lives more secure and and in a place where they're less likely to have trip down and fall hmm. um then that's only going to benefit the, the creativeness going forward hmm. I guess and it's only going to benefit the longevity of of a music scene that everybody loves so much so yeah, yeah
0: I, I have one that. more question though about something that you mentioned and it is about depression did you how was that related to the music industry how did you got that far that you're like diagnosed with depression was it only for from keeping up that lifestyle and dealing with all the pressure or was it also a mixture of personal things you don't have to really go into into details but Uh, I mean curious about yeah yeah, how 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 that affected you
1: um again it's similar in that I don't really know where it came from if you know what Mm. I mean I think there was as I said before it was a a combination of things not really feeling like I belong there and, um, sort of a self-loathing thing.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, yeah. And then going it unchecked and, and still suffer with it now that you have this voice in your head that tells you you're constantly not good enough and you don't deserve to be here and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the, there was a change for me really for, for so long. I, I, even, um, (laughs) there was a change. I remember this change because I, you know, when you get a really bad flight, and the, the the plane's bouncing all over the place and people are screaming and stuff. Just a horror. Never used to bother me. Um, and then I remember this one flight uh, just a couple of years ago. Similar to that, it was very, very, very bumpy coming into landing or whatever. And I actually felt worried. And I was like, I can't remember feeling worried like this for years and years and years. And I, rem- I realized it was because for so many years, I sort of was wanting the plane to go down because I didn't mind if I died. And in my head going, that would be a really easy way out. Wouldn't have to do it myself. Um, plane crash, easy. So, wow. I, and then I had this worry and I was like, you know, because like, I never felt it before. Well, I couldn't remember feeling it. And maybe actually before, maybe I didn't have any bad flights like that until I was actually in that situation. So it was a very strange feeling, you know. It was very weird to suddenly be like, oh, crap. Like, I'm worried this might actually crash.
0: Yeah.
1: Obviously, I'm sort of a realistic person. I know the the statistics of, of stuff like that. I'm not scared of flying at all, mm. um, but it was a very strange situation because I had a woman next to me. I think, um, like, grabbing my arm and like she was properly scared. It was a really bad landing. I think it was in Italy somewhere, and um, I realized that the, yeah that, that was the uh, that was the reason. And I think for so long it can be you don't have to plan these things, but there can be a lurking thing in the back of your head that just a voice saying you like you don't look after yourself you don't think you're also not very good with money there's lo- those are little you spend all your money you don't save um mm. because you know there's something in the back of your head going you're not going to be here much longer you're not going to be wow. alive longer than as long so there's no point there's no point thinking that the future there's no point planning for things um it's a huge effect on relationships because people want to look forward and and plan the future and I'm like, well, I don't have a future. Because hmm. my head's telling me that there isn't gonna be one. So it's it's very difficult. And I think that's when as he said, that how it affected me. That creeped up out of nowhere. Um I think uh I'd never I'd never really contemplated that before and it it, it took a it took a lot of getting used to. Um but I still have the voice in my head occasionally quite well. Quite a lot over the last like um it's been a very tough year. My dad died in september. Yeah. um obviously lockdown's not been not been the easiest thing to get through, but i've I've been grateful enough to be able to move home and mm. and sort of reset um but yeah, I think uh it's sort of you still have that voice in your head occasionally, but now I know it's there,
0: mm.
1: and I can be like, ah, I'm not listening to you, or maybe I do listen for a day. And then tomorrow, I don't hear it again. So, it's it's still it's just acknowledging that things that things um, manifest themselves, and if you don't address them, they get worse. That's sort of the benefit. That are the, the uh, conclusion I wanted to draw from that
0: it's is sick. that ignoring
1: it, that voice gets louder and louder and louder until it's exactly taking over.
0: I, it's it's uh, probably not a coincidence. I just wrote about this on my Instagram. It's like um, is. I said something like, once you once I am successful, I f- I can feel good enough about myself, right? It's like then I then I'm okay, says the little voice in your head. It's it's all about that little voice that we all are dealing with. It's just what kind of part does it play in your life and how are you dealing with it? Because pushing it away, like you said, it's not helping either. It is yeah. acknowledging it's there, but And then acknowledging and yeah. Yeah.
1: Ignoring it and ignoring it and just, and, and turning away is, is, is not healthy, which is what I did for so long. And it culminated in, in a sort of very bad situation where it nearly got what it wanted. Um, Mm. But acknowledging it and then, and being honest and saying, yeah, okay. Well, that that feeling's there. That's okay. Mm. Um, We're going to, we're going to lie in bed today. We're going to watch a bit of Netflix and then tomorrow's going to be better or it might be better um and and road mapping your way out of that and it is all life's just all up and downs isn't it i think everyone from any situation if you don't suffer with depression you're you still have sort of low days you have high days everyone goes through that cycle obviously things can pull you either way um life events can obviously hmm. Things happening in your life can pull that balance out of the way, or chemical imbalances in your brain, mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. me, you can pull it out. So that you can literally just hit a day when you get up and you just go, "No, this isn't the day." And that can last for a few days, and then, and then you come out the other side, and it's it's just all about that balance. And Is it's that throng. how you
0: got through? Just knowing that okay, I, I, it's rough right now. I It'll really, pass. Yeah, it will pass. Is that really? That's I, right?
1: just basically what I say to myself. Yeah. Um, but obviously like I'm in a very privileged position. I have been for a long time that I have been self-employed. Um, I've been able to take the few days in the week when I needed to, and I've been able to get private, um, therapy. Mm. Um, so I acknowledge the fact that I'm in that privileged position, Mm. um, that if I was in a, in a different job role with responsibilities, more responsibilities um that might affect me differently so
0: well basically Obviously, you're saying something there, very important there you were mm-hmm. also still counting your blessings right you were oh, you yeah, still absolutely. had that awareness of oh it could even be worse i know that you know yeah
1: but i mean there's there, there's a there's another another i did a, a week in my mate's restaurant just for a bit of experience because I, I love cooking as well yeah and having that routine for the first time in sort of then it was six years since I'd been self-employed. Having that routine for a week made me feel really good about myself. Like I was genuinely in a, in a good place by the I was tired because mm. it was like 12 hour days, mm. but I, it genuinely helped having this camaraderie around me. I was going and seeing everyone on the same day. So, so I think there's a, maybe obviously I do count my blessings. My, my job is amazing and I'm, Eternally thankful for it, but the lack of routine—I think, obviously uh, imposed by me—but the lack of routine and the changing routines can also be a challenge. So mm-hmm. it's it's balancing that, being aware of everything, mm. um, and aware of the things that can change um, how you're feeling. But it's all a process. I'm <laughs> still figuring this all out. I might might have uh, better insights in a couple of years.
0: Is there anything over the years that you experienced that that maybe? Would you do anything differently if you look back?
1: Um, it's difficult to say. Like it's, it's obviously. Um, it's easy to say. Oh, I'd yeah take more time off, and it's quite um, a
0: shitty question, isn't it? <laughs> is it,
1: no, it's a good question because it makes you think about things but it's there's so many moving parts isn't it that Hmm. you could say oh if i didn't do this festival i wouldn't have got this and this and yeah there's all the things that can happen i think i would have um i would have maybe tried to be a bit more aware of myself a bit earlier and and Hmm. just get up earlier i think was the main the the main thing Hmm. um and then because I, i think it's so I do this all the time, and I think I, I, I think I mentioned it slightly before. But I'll look back on myself and go, oh, I should have should have practiced piano more. Hmm. And I'll tell myself that for about three months, don't do it, because in my head there there is a voice in my head going, There's no point, you shit. You're terrible yeah. at it. You're never going to get better. So it's difficult, and it sounds hmm. so simple, and it is so simple, and it's stupid because you get annoyed at yourself. You're like, I should have just done that. It sounds so easy. I should have just. there's a thing downstairs that I've been meaning to post for about six months
0: Hmm.
1: and it just, I just put it off because I think that's just a, it's just a symptom. It's just something that happens. Um, It's not, it's not an urgent thing. It's just something to get repaired. It's it's, It's the same. I could, I could better myself. If I go back, I was like, I could be a better producer today. If I had put so much more work into learning three different instruments, do so much more work into learning more about music production. But then on the flip side of that, is would that actually make me any better or would that make me just overthink everything? And exactly. would I have had the same ideas that that I would have had anyway? Um, so it's all just a balanced thing. Um,
0: and it's also part of being an artist. I think yeah. I haven't spoken Constantly with all the them. hundreds of interviews I've done over the years. I, I don't think there is one artist in the world that told me, I'm on point, you know, I know it all, I feel good about, you know, it's like, they're always, as an artist, you're always doubting yourself. You're always pushing yourself and you but
1: there is this myth isn't it that i think that's the thing from a public point of view and a fan's point of view you look at these people and you look up to them yeah. and i remember meeting some people that i looked up to who confessed that i, like, I can't finish it yeah, 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 in my yeah. life at the moment and i'm like yeah. wow like mm. i look up to you as like a hero um so maybe there is a bit of a theater to it all that you need to keep up the appearances that you're a musical genius otherwise no one's going to buy it <laughs> to like, oh, no, too he late said.
0: now <laughs>
1: yeah but I think it's there's a balance between honesty and and still creating that hmm. illusion not illusion but there is a theater in the the extraordinary hmm. if you know what I mean people hmm. want to be people want to believe people want to see you and go wow That's, like you're amazing yeah,
0: definitely people it's part of our industry in as well right
1: yeah exactly and it's part of every industry um so there's a difficulty with mental health in in that exp- exposing and talking very honestly about it often mm-hmm. sort of breaks down that sort of barrier of being mm-hmm. this sort of um enigmatic figure I don't think I ever was I don't think anyone ever saw me like that i probably i think hopefully everyone just saw me as a normal like northern um lad you know what i mean like i never i never pretended to be something I wasn't um I would never put on an act on stage I'd just be myself like it but I think obviously there is a there is a certain amount of artists that do that they very much have an on-stage persona even if they're under their own name or not under an alias but yeah they very much have a camera on-camera persona exactly and different when you go for dinners with them um and I think that's where it's maybe difficult to to be completely honest and that's fine like it's not for everybody um
0: and you know what? Oh. It's it's not up to us. We can't control. Nobody can control how other people perceive us or you or, you know, no. it's... And on top of that, maybe it's too spiritual for you, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that everybody perceives the world from the perspective that they, you know, from... Who they oh, are yeah. themselves, right? Absolutely. Like, no,
1: that's not spiritual. That's more psychology, isn't it?
0: <laughs> psychology. Okay. Good. Good. There is that. There is that. Get with this one.
1: <laughs> there is a thought experiment, isn't it? That pe- the two people can walk down the same street, and if one's in a really good mood, they notice all people smiling.
0: Yeah. And
1: if one's in a bad mood, they notice the the litter and the the like the homeless person and the sad people. Yes. You notice. You see things differently depending on what's going on in your life. Exactly. Um. And then and then drag into all that really quickly i know it's it's drawing to a a sort of ending point but it's and social media is is one thing that we rely on as a music industry so much um and that's completely fake you know um people putting up their best version of their lives um i could have a truly awful day in the studio not to get anything done but i put up a picture of the keyboard and say creating magic exactly could do that i don't just to be honest (laughs) i don't i can never i never feel like i can lie Hmm. um but people do do that um so when you're seeing people that are just constantly having the best time on tour or having the best time when they're running festivals and uh, it's not always telling the full picture or it's never Hmm. telling the the honest picture is it let's be honest Um, not even when you're trying to be
0: honest on social media it's still a one moment little minute second on your day even if you i i try to be very well i am honest uh, but i'm not showing all my private stuff on social media but i am an honest person i can i can truly say that but still people will probably perceive me much very differently than how i feel a lot of the times it's just because yeah even when you try to be honest and open it's just a little moment of your day and um, social media can be indeed in that way very very toxic and um Fluke, I had Fluke in, in, in the other uh, previous episode and he said uh, the same thing. He said, I was trying to be something that I'm not and I stopped doing that. He said, I don't want to want to keep up a, a very tough techno image of myself. I am a smiling guy. You know, he says, I'm a happy guy and that's who I am now. And who doesn't, you know, get that or if it's not techno enough, it's not my problem well, yeah. anymore, he said.
1: because You feel said, like you have to uh, try and fit in with with what you should be instead of being what you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that's a big thing. Yeah. But hopefully, as I said, that the more that people talk about this, and, and it does seem to be getting better that, that younger people are a bit more switched on to how social yeah. media can be um, dangerous in that regard, and I think that the more people spend on it, like you said, that people change and they realize that they don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That can only be better. So yeah. maybe we're on the right track and maybe things are getting better
0: on a positive note. Right. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for chatting. And I I really would like to know as, as this podcast is called sound waves, you know, with, with waves create like, like a frequency, a movement. Um, what if there was like one thing that you could change or add to the world, something that you would like to see in the world, um, to end on a positive note or some advice that you want to give people that are listening, what would that be?
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I put you on the spot, right?
1: I know. God. (laughs) Like, I mean, obviously just, just removing so much of the hate would be a good place to start with in in terms of the world. It's still crazy that people are hating on, on people for living their lives or being, who, where they are from and stuff, so it's that's not good that's not very positive though, is it just pointing out things like that um well, we
0: can also put it differently, not not yeah. get rid of the hate, but put more love into the world,
1: yeah exactly right? be more yeah. accepting of be accepting of everybody um for who they are and to be and who they want to love, and things like that um i would I would hundred percent just go back to the the food thing because that's something that's just i haven't seen it spoke about in mental health ever mm. but food like food makes you you know um i had a few rough days back in like january i think uh and as i said i sort of make this list of on my phone i make lists all the time of food and recipes and i don't work but i have a little list of things that i want to eat just really you know when you have that desire you know when you really want something yes um and it was like an egg salad sandwich like i just I had it in my head when I was lying in bed, not feeling, like, feeling horrible and feeling like the world was dying around me. Um, I just got it in my head. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to make when I feel a bit better, when I can feel like I can walk to the shop and get up and, and that's what I'm going to make. And I got all the stuff and it was just, I sat down and it was the most, it was a wonderful experience. So I think, I think honestly just because a lot of the time you, when you are in a really bad place, um, mm. you don't like, shower you don't like you don't change your clothes like find what makes you happy if you know what I mean yeah it might not be food but find that sort of find your egg salad sandwich if you know what I mean like, yes. find, find that find that point that's really gonna like connect you with your reality and like really bring you back into the present if you know what I mean and that sounds spiritual doesn't it but it for me it's not hmm. for me it's like there and, and there a there's a great anxiety technique isn't there about being able to touch things and being aware of sounds and whatever but yes. something that's going to bring you back and whether that be something like food or um going to like a, a place near your house that you really enjoy yeah. you know like a park or something somewhere somewhere that you re- and just sit there and just really focus on being in that moment mm-hmm. um and then when you when you do find that way, I think that finding that path out of the dark times um, helps you, like look to it that when you are in the dark times, you go, "Oh, cool. I might I might be feeling crap now, but in two days, I'm going to have a really good sandwich or something like that." You know, like focus on it, and you like that's got I've got something to look forward to because in that moment, I know that that's me on the on the the, the good side of this.
0: I love like, that one. I, I, yeah. I, it's gonna you're going to be remembered as. <laughs> Find your egg sandwich. Yeah, you know? it's. Uh, Could have picked I, a better
1: I, one. Could have, but that was the one, the most recent one for me.
0: No, I, I like it. It's a simple concept. It's simple to, like, easy to remember. You know,
1: yeah.
0: find your <laughs> egg sandwich. yeah I like it. Thank you so much, Ben. Is there anything else that you want to share? Otherwise, we're going to round up today.
1: No, I don't think so. I think I've probably rambled on enough. But uh thanks for having me. It's been really nice.
0: It was a great conversation. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Especially now I know that you don't say yes to all the invitations just to to speak about this topic, which is uh, much needed. And uh, um, I am 100% sure that the people that are listening to this really appreciate everything that you have been uh, telling us and sharing. And um, hopefully everybody's going to find their egg sandwich. (laughs)
1: yeah hopefully (laughs) Uh, that's gonna come back on me but okay cool
0: yeah who knows in the future we can uh, we can have a um a follow-up meeting to see uh what kind of new insights we got on our egg sandwiches okay okay thanks ben thanks 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 for listening to Soundwaves. If you like what you heard, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. You can also follow me on my Instagram, Soundwaves the Podcast, or go to our brand new YouTube channel where you can find all my conversations on video.